Wow, so I can't believe that we are on episode 50 and I have got the guy on the podcast who pretty much was a catalyst for my whole business. So I want to introduce you to a guy called Chris Ducker. I have, as I record this now, I've just got back from his Upreneur Summit conference and we recorded our original interview before. So I had the absolute pleasure of being on stage on Chris's um, conference, which I cannot tell you blew my absolute mind. So this is a guy... Um, oh, it must have been three, four years ago. I heard his podcast and just something clicked that there's no B2B, there's no B2C, there's only P2P. And that took me on a massive journey. So it was, I'm absolutely honored to have him on the podcast for episode 50, absolute landmark. Um, but also to be able to go on his stage was incredible. So I'm going to stop gushing. I'm going to uh, let you just dive straight in. And I want to share with you everything that this guy has taught me and that has helped me grow my business massively. Hello, and welcome back to the Lead Generation for Financial Services podcast. It's can't believe it. it's episode number 50, and I've got a very, very special guest with me because possibly without him, I wouldn't know what a podcast is. Well, no, I would have, I would have, Chris, I would have known what a podcast is. Embarrassed myself already. I'm going to introduce him now. It's Mr. Chris Ducker. How are you doing? I'm very good. And I'm sure, look, you're a smart guy. You would have figured this whole podcasting thing out without me, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I was, it was funny because I was, I was, list, I remember it was a Christmas time period and I was listening to podcasts and it was, it was, everyone was American. I was like, I just want to hear a British <laughs> marketing person on a podcast. Right. And I found this Chris Ducker guy and I, and I put it on. And, um, yeah, it's, it's weird. Like I can, I literally imagine myself just hearing the, for the first time, there's no B2B, there's no B2C, there's only P2P. Um, and it was, it's been a seed that's been with me this, so this was probably three and a half years ago, maybe, if not longer. Good. Um, but didn't act on it straight away, unfortunately, which I guess a lot of people do. Um, but that's been huge for me, and I, the people listening will—I bang on about it every every week. So it's great to have you here. I, I like to call you the uh, the Godfather of personal branding. <laughs> I'm not sure about that, but I will, uh, <laughs> I'll take any and all um, humbling uh, comments and messages. Obviously, I mean, I think I think the big thing is, I mean, and I'm glad that you that that, that was one of the things that resonated with you the most in terms of the P2P side of things. I mean, that's something that actually believe it or not actually came to me i ad-libbed that in 2013 i think on stage uh in vegas at a conference i was speaking and it just it just came to me i was going on about people buying from people uh and it it came to me right there because i've been in the b2b and the b2c world my entire career so it kind of those terms were there um, and when I when I said it, it's one of those things when you say something and you instantly think to yourself, "Oh, that's bloody good! Like that sounds good. <laughs> that does." Um, and I did one of the first things I did when I got off stage is I made a note on my phone to, about that. Um, and over the years, obviously, it's kind of just now developed into pretty much everything that we do at Upreneur um, in regards to you know the Upreneur Academy, the Upreneur Summit, which obviously you've attended. And now coming up the Upreneur Incubate. I mean, everything we do is about serving people that are selling to other people uh, and, and that, that resonate and identify 
with that P2P mindset of not only business, but also just relationship building in general, because I'm a big believer that relationships should be treasured. They shouldn't be used. And so I, I think it's really important that people, uh, the people, you know, get that on board and, and, and run with it, you know? No, absolutely. And I, I told you a little bit about our sort of audience before and the majority of them are, you know, I mean, they're incredible because the, some of the case studies I've heard because are amazing. They save people thousands of pounds, like if they're remortgaging, um, if you were to go to like the high street rather than one of these brokers, they got access to much more lenders and they save people so much money. They help people move into like brand new houses, people that so people that are like us, like business owners, self-employed, we think we're awkward. And I suppose when I was a contractor, I, I, my mortgage never crossed my head. But actually, I'm a really good candidate for a mortgage because some of the products. But there's so much, there's a massive knowledge gap there. And I think because there's so much money involved that trust is like the biggest, biggest thing. And there's thousands of, of brokers that all pretty much got access to the same products. And for me, I believe that it's all they've got to do is build a little bit of trust. And you, I don't think you can do that with stock images and just talking about the product, if you know what I mean. If you, I do could, if you were to Google. Google. You know, that, that's the whole, you know, I mean, in, at the very core of every good sales professional um, is the ability to build, a, build, you know, rapport and gain trust. And without trust, then the sales process collapses right there and then, as we all know. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, the really, really big important thing here is for people to appreciate that they are being bought themselves first and foremost before any deal. Whether they admit it, whether, whether they identify with that as something that's taking place, whether they see it actually happening or not, um, is actually neither here nor there because, you know, the numbers never lie, as I mm. always say. And like you say, somebody decides to go with you on a particular mortgage deal, for example, rather than one of your competitors, rather than going down a high street or whatever the case may be, they've bought you is what they've done. Yes, they bought the deal, but they bought you first and foremost. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people, particularly really good people that are good at what they do on that side of stuff, they... They don't give themselves anywhere near as much credit as they probably should. And particularly here in the UK, where we're quite humble, we're quite conservative. Mm. We, don't, we don't like to talk about how good we are. Uh, we don't talk, we don't, you know, we don't scream from the rafters about how much money we've made or how many lives we've changed and all this kind of yeah. stuff. Because it's just not English. Um, you know, it's not the it's not the British way, is it? You know what I mean? <laughs> but but yeah. the fact is, but the fact is that actually. If you don't talk about how good you are, there ain't no one else out there going to do it for you. So no. I'm, I'm just a big believer of, of leaning into your strengths and avoiding the weaknesses, delegating the weaknesses. In fact, don't work on your weaknesses. You lean and you work into your strengths themselves. Um, and yeah, at the very core of everything is relationships. So that's, that's the key element there. Absolutely. I think we all know it as well, because we all know, so a lot of them will do business on the phone, but traditionally, a lot of them will, will be like face-to-face, -face and they'll do financial mm -hmm. advice face-to-face. And, and I think everyone knows that if they build a good rapport in person, they've got a better chance of getting that deal. So I think we know it, but I think, is it 
do you find with a lot of your kind of students, people that you work with, that there's there is like a fear? I know I had it. I had the LinkedIn fear for ages for some reason. You you're afraid of what people might think or what people might say. Do you think that stops a lot of people? And like, what what can we do other than just doing it to help? See, at the core, at the core of that, it's not necessarily what people will say about you. It's not necessarily what people will think about you, whether they'll like you or not. At the core of that is actually just the fear of rejection. And I think Mm -hmm. that's just one hundred and one, you know, salesperson issue. I mean, I've been in the sales industry since I was seventeen years old. Obviously, clearly, I've had a very very career and i've sold pretty much everything to anyone you can imagine but that that confidence wasn't there from day one that confidence probably wasn't there until probably a decade in to my mm-hmm. career if i'm to be honest um and you know that fear of rejection is the number one strangle point for anyone's personal and professional growth in the sales and marketing mm-hmm. game fact it's that fear of somebody saying no, or somebody ghosting you and ignoring your follow-up emails or phone calls or voicemails or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's everything. But, but you know, it all comes down to, again, knowing uh, what you're good at and knowing that you can provide genuine value. You know, a lot of people throw the term imposter syndrome away uh, around now. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. why would they listen to me? Why would... Why are they going to tune into my podcast? Why are they going to buy from me? Why are they going to answer my phone calls when there's so many other people out there doing what I do? I even, myself, the last time I ever felt imposter syndrome was in 2011 in LA. Uh, I was speaking, I was due to speak on stage. I was in my hotel room practicing my presentation. And it, mm-hmm. was, uh, it was a really hard presentation to put together and an even harder one to actually present because I was giving away 45 things that you can outsource to virtual assistants in 45 minutes. <laughs> um, now, if you take into consideration intro, outro, plus yeah. ad-libbing, maybe a couple of stories that might pop to mind, and an extremely strict event organizer where at 45 minutes, if you weren't done, they were turning the bloody mic off. I mean, like they were <laughs> really, really, really strict. I was under a lot of pressure with that presentation, but I was I was committed. I put the title out. They loved it. Everybody was excited for it. And I was just like, oh my God, what am I going to do? <laughs> and I had this imposter syndrome up in the hotel room the morning of the presentation, running through the ending of it again. Um, and I said to my wife, like, like, why are they even why am I stressing about this? Because why would they even turn up anyway? You know, there's like six other speakers that they can watch at the exact same time spot. New York Times best-selling authors are in the right. time time spot than I am. Like, why is anybody going to come to my session? Um, and she said to me, like, you got, you need to stop thinking like that because you know what you know, and they don't know what they don't know. And if they're coming, it's because they want to learn from you. I get up on stage, and literally, Alex, I swear to God, within. <laughs> 30 seconds, I almost peed my pants because <laughs> there, right there in the front row, was a very, very, very big, successful, world renowned blogger uh, under the name of Darren Rouse from a company called Pro Blogger over in Australia. And on yeah. the other side of the room was another ridiculous. 
ridiculously successful blogger under the name of Leo Babalta from Zen Habits, which I think yeah. at one time was in like the top 10 blogs in the world from Time Magazine or something. Mm -hmm. And she was right. Why would these two guys, amongst another 300 or so people in the audience, I mean, there was no room, there was no chairs left in the room, right? So yeah. why would they have come to that session? It's because they didn't know what they didn't know. And I think yeah. that for us, you know, particularly in the sales and the marketing game, we think that particularly with something like mortgages, I mean, there's so much stuff on the internet. There's so many ways for people to get information. There's so many different people they could turn to. Why? Do they tune in to you? Why do they listen to you? Why do they do business with you? Yes, it's to do with your expertise. And yes, it's to do with the promises that you're going to keep and the deal that you're putting together. But at the very core reason why is because of you and your personality. That's it. And that's what we call that, you know, being unapologetically, uniquely you. <laughs> and that's why no matter how competitive the industry if you build that business that you're in around you and your personality and your expertise, it can't be copied. It's 100% yeah. original. And that excites the crap out of me. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember hearing all, all this when I, when I wasn't. I was, I was in a similar position because I, I think digital marketing agencies is as competitive as like mortgage brokers. And um, we have access to the same as all the other agencies. We've got access to Google Ads and doing <laughs> SEO and things like that. But now I do feel like we are unique. And I think a lot of that, we've kind of specialized. Well, obviously, the podcast called Lead Generation for Financial Services. We could do Lead Generation for anyone else. Yep. There's lots of different mortgage products and types. So you've got some people that specialize in like contractor mortgages. Some people specialize in self-employed. Some people specialize in like bridging loans and things like that. Um, so where do you stand on that kind of niching thing? So I've obviously done the, you know, I've got the business of me and I've niched. I think it's amazing. But what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think, you know, I would rather be a big fish in a small pond than the other mm -hmm. way around. And yeah. so, uh, you know, it, it, it's like when we first opened up the doors to Youpreneur in 2015, we were all about helping people build a successful online business. That's what we said. Mm -hmm. You know what? Blah. Blah. <laughs> you know, everybody else bloody says that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even though, you know, we did very well out of the gate, I think we had like 260 something join in the first week or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, but looking back on it, the reason why we had that many people jump on board was not because of the promise of building a successful online business. It's because of the relationships that they built up with me over mm -hmm. time through listening to my show or reading my blog or my book or whatever the case may be, right? Um, it wasn't until we niched down to focus on building the future-proof business around your personal brand angle um, that we really saw our, num un our numbers jump up. Uh, we, mm -hmm. we plateaued for like two years, pretty much. Uh, we, we had that really good push, and then we just kind of dripped. We just dripped for a year and a half, two years, in terms of our membership and our read readership and everything. Um, and again, it wasn't until we said, you know what? No, we're going to work with people who identify being a personal brand entrepreneur, somebody who's building the business based on them, but not reliant mm -hmm. on them. Um, and it's people like you, agency owners, it's content mm. creators, it's speakers, authors, coaches, you know, and 
anybody really that's building a business around their expertise and their personality. Uh, and I would class mortgage brokers or anybody else selling financial services one-on-one in yeah. that group as well. Absolutely. Because people will buy you before they buy the product that you're suggesting that they get involved with. It's just natural human, uh, you know, human mindset. You know, we don't yeah. like to buy uh, or rather, we don't like to be sold to, but we like to buy, right? So if you present something to somebody that's a certain amount of common sense behind it, but then add in and caveat that, obviously, with the fact that it's you that they're doing business with, if you have something in common, if you've struck a chord, if they get you and what you stand for, then that deal is way more likely to take place, mm-hmm. way Absolutely. more likely to take place than if somebody was to offer the same product same service same outcome but you know be less bland about it or the flip side of that coin have a better rapport and more trust with that person as well absolutely i think as well um specialists as well can charge more i think you know you've got the the knee surgeon gets paid more than the gp um so did you know for example mm -hmm. equestrian vets so vets that are working directly with 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 uh, you know show jumping horses race race horses you know they will make in a private practice something silly like 30 times more money than your regular vet down the road taking care of dogs and cats and guinea pigs and the reason why is because that horse race or that 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 racing horse will make the owner and the trainers and everything so much more money than just, you know, your your family mog uh, sitting there, <laughs> you know, lapping up cream. Uh, and, and I think that, um, you know, there's something to be said with that in terms of that specialism uh, and the way that people kind of perceive specialists. It's not only bringing more of a specialist look and view and maybe a product lineup to the, to the game, but also uh, somebody with, you know, we, we automatically assume a specialist has more experience, that they know more mm. about what they're talking about, that they're going to get you better results and all the rest of it. So why not lean into that and charge more? Absolutely. So I think it's hard. Like, I think from, I went on a bit of a journey with this. And like I say, I, I knew in my brain, I knew I should do this, but it, took, it probably took me years to actually do it. Was it the same for you? Or, and like, I know you obviously have this period where you sort of burnt out or well, pretty much did burn out you yeah, had the yeah. problem with your, your back so and, and i guess i want to know like where i know zig ziglar was like a big inspiration for you but where did it all come for you and and was it like a overnight thing or no i mean definitely wasn't overnight i mean i've i've been building you know operating buying and selling businesses for the last decade and a half and so it's definitely not an overnight success thing that's for sure um i i I mean i will say that the personal brand element of the business only really clicked with me probably around 2012 or so um Mm -hmm. and what what had happened was obviously i've been building businesses for a while but i started blogging and podcasting in january of 2010 so I'm coming off on my 10th anniversary, just a few yeah, months from wow. now. Um, and what happened was I got this email out of the blue, Alex, where somebody, it was from a publishing house in the United States, and they wanted to publish a book with me. And I was like, holy moly, you know, I've always wanted to do a business book. This, this is great. What a great, 
what a great kind of testament to all the hard work, right? And they they never mentioned my blog. You know, I had a blog under the name of Virtual Business Lifestyle back in mm-hmm. those days. They didn't mention the podcast by that name. It was just Chris Tucker's blog, Chris Tucker's podcast, Chris Tucker's mm-hmm. company. You know, I still own and operate two brick and mortar businesses, multi million dollar businesses mm-hmm. in a country I haven't even been in for an entire year. Right. So, yeah. you know, th- there was a lot, there was a lot there piled up. And when I look at every deal I've done, every client that I've brought on board for those businesses, every speaking gig that I've landed, that book deal that we got in place, <clears throat> the tens of thousands of people that download and listen to Upinar FM every week. When I look at all those things, retrospectively now, clearly they were buying me. It came back to my personal brand. It always came back to my personal brand. But I didn't really see it logically until sort of 2012. Um, And and there was one other really defining moment, actually, probably around 2000, and I'm going to say about 2006 or so. I was doing some consulting work. It was the very last J-O-B that I had. And I was in um, Vegas at a very large industry conference, expo, uh, for the infomercial business. So I was involved with the infomercial game. I used to write scripts and help with product branding and even record voiceovers and all that sort of stuff. You know, so the whole kind of, you know, but wait, there's more if you call and all that kind of stuff. I'd done all that back in the day. Um, And... Loved that industry, but I was the only guy uh, at a table of about 15 or 16 one night that actually came to dinner with his purchase order booklet (laughs) because I saw it as an opportunity to get orders from people who I knew were going to be there that I already built rapport with either prior to to the event itself or at the event during the day or the the day before or whatever it was. I said, you know, if I could walk away with a couple of orders tonight, that would be great. And so I worked the table a little bit. I sat next to a couple of people that I thought were going to be the lowest hanging sales fruit, closed a couple of quick deals within the first hour. Then, you know, dessert comes along and I'm like, hey, let's all move around the table a little bit. We get to know each other a little bit better. Boom. Moving on to another one that that, that didn't quite work out. Then it was coffee or espresso, you know, and and we just moved around. And I walked away from that dinner with about 50 grand's worth of orders from three different customers that I wouldn't have had right there and then if I didn't have that PO pad with me. And so, again, it comes back. To the personal brand. They weren't buying the product. They were buying the conversation with me. They were buying the rapport that they had with me. And I remember one of those guys was actually an American who was a big John Cleese fan. So all we did for half an hour was talk about Monty <laughs> Python and 40 Towers. Boom. Brilliant. Thank you very much for playing. 20 grand PO. Thank you. Right? Yeah. It, it, I, I think the personal brand element has been the biggest number one defining factor in my career when I retrospectively look back at it. Mm. Now I know it exists, obviously. Now we utilize it every single day, but I was still utilizing it every day back in those days. I just didn't acknowledge it. I didn't know it was taking place. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I can, I literally almost, the day I put my 
image on our website. I got a phone call the next day and the guy said, anyone that's willing to put their face to their business, I can trust. And that was just a photo. There you go. Just on the homepage in the top. There you Literally go. overnight. Particularly uh, online, because mm. the issue is that a lot of people hide behind, you know, contact forms and decent written yeah. copy or sometimes horrifically mm-hmm. written copy, right? Um, yeah. So you know, when it comes to generating leads and obviously then qualifying those prospects and turning them into actual sales, I mean, you know, the the more transparent, I hate to use that word transparent, it's mm. such a buzzword nowadays, or authentic. I mean, we should all be authentic. We, we should all yeah. be ourselves, right? But I think the more transparent you can be as early on in the sales process as physically mm-hmm. possible, um, the better it's going to be for all parties, no doubt about that at all you know i think the way i try and explain it is that especially online no one's going to call you up to find out if you can help them they'll call you when they know you can help them if that Mm -hmm. makes sense they want to find out from the information that you give that they can trust you what you're saying and that you can do the exact thing that they want to solve could not agree more with you which is why my number one tip to people building websites specifically about their about page you know, everybody talks about how amazing they are on their about page. Stop mm. doing that. Stop doing that. Answer the question, what's in it for me for the visitor at your website currently? Mm. Like, give them a reason why they should stay on your website longer than six seconds, because that's the average visit time mm. for a website visitor. Give them a reason why they should opt in to your email newsletter so that you can email them once a week and stay in contact with them. Mm-hmm. Give them a reason why they should consume some content on your website and actually share it. Because we're in the share economy right now. If people aren't yeah. sharing your stuff, you're losing anyway. It doesn't matter how much you put out there. So that, you know, my big tip is, you know, make make your about page not about you, but about your visitor and how you can serve them the best. If you can do yeah. that, you've got a way, way, way better chance of not only converting sales, but obviously helping more people in the process. Definitely. Absolutely. So, Chris, mm. how can I, if I'm a mortgage broker, I'm sat here and I'm like, this guy knows his onions. I might, I might check him out a bit more. I'm going to the summit. You obviously sold out this year, but there's, as I know from getting to the last minute, some become available because people can't turn oh, yeah. up and childcare and things like that. Yeah. There's a waiting list for that, right? Isn't there? There for is. The summit. People can go to youpreneursummit.com. That's why I youpreneursummit.com mm-hmm. uh, uh, they can hop on the wait list um, I, yeah I mean you know we, we always sell out it's always a great event mm-hmm. there are always a few cancellations here and there in the run up like you say absolutely um, I, I can tell that I've already probably told everyone my biggest takeaways but if if you're I'm saying curious what were they share them with me oh wow I mean and your audience I, will just have to <laughs> get bored for the next 60 <laughs> seconds go on um, <laughs> So I suppose I, w- I went in, I had, I had not officially niched officially. We were only pretty much working with financial services, but post-event, we changed the website. Mm-hmm. I launched the podcast in January. Um, but I think the speakers were amazing, but all the people that I, I met, sort of my people, I've got now got friends for life who are on this journey with me that I can 
I can just pick up the phone to and say, guys, I'm, I'm stuck with this or like encouragement. We meet up as well. So you've got, I learned so much from all the amazing speakers that you've got. You've got mm-hmm. an incredible lineup again, but also being surrounded by other people in the same boat, I think. And then in real life, you know, actually physically meeting up with people. Yep. Um, and we were chatting earlier about kind of the benefits of masterminding and and just taking time out. So I don't take I don't take holidays, Chris. I know I should. I don't take enough time out just to focus on the business. So I you know, I took loads from it and that's obviously why I bought my ticket for the next one straight away. And if you did lifetime summit tickets, <laughs> I'd probably get one. Well, yeah, I, you know, that's probably one of the one of the things that I would like to sell. Probably more than anything else is kind of you know lifetime tickets. It's always nice to know from an event organizer's standpoint, you know, as and when you open the doors to quote unquote public ticket sales, yeah. how many of those tickets you've got left. And I think you know you might not be um, the anomaly in regards to uh, somebody wanting to buy uh, you know mm-hmm. a lifetime ticket to that, but. Who knows how much longer we'll do it for? You know what I mean. <laughs> I, I often say uh, nothing is nothing is forever, um, yeah. but you know, forever is also a very very long time. So Absolutely. we'll we'll see how much longer we we decide to carry on doing. It. We certainly uh, we certainly are locked in for the next few years at that current venue. That was a deal that we negotiated with them. Yeah. So we ain't going anywhere anytime soon. But, uh, you know, we'll see. But I'm, I'm very happy to hear that you took a lot away from it and that it's been a, a, an important part to your own personal and your business growth as well. That's the reason mm-hmm. why we do everything we do at Youpreneur. Absolutely. And pretty much almost every other guest I've had on the podcast is from meeting them at the uh, yeah. <laughs> summit. Literally, I think the first 20 were literally all. So we were talking about Bob Gentle. But in fact, Bob's not been on. But uh, Bob's done like Facebook Lives with us and stuff like that. But I've met so many amazing people yeah. uh, from it. So it was, it was fantastic. We're very blessed. You know, I will say there are a lot of events, particularly here in the UK, popping up here and there. Mm. Um, and it's not my style to kind of throw shade at anybody or anything like that at all. That's that's not my thing at all. But from an event organizer, or rather from an event attendee perspective, um, if it's the difference between going to somebody's event who has clearly been doing what I've been doing for as long as I've been doing it with the success I've had and them getting their friends from all around the world to fly into London, people who are best-selling authors, multi-million dollar mm-hmm. business coaches, you know, you, you name it. If that's the difference between that kind of an event and event, you know, being run by way less entrepreneurs way less experienced entrepreneurs i should say who kind of just are going through the rigmarole of a speaker lineup just for the sake for them to Mm -hmm. make a quick buck or two um you know that that's not that's not the type of event that you want to go to if you're serious about growing your your personal development side of your life as well as your business obviously so it's good to hear those kind of those bits of feedback because that's the exact reason why we do what Mm -hmm. we do and we're we are we're genuinely blessed to have a good network of people that uh, really complement each other very well which is always humbling to see absolutely and i think our, our audience would be more than welcome that it's i you know i've got it's helpful for me following your stuff because i've got the technical skills 
but I'm probably the anomaly there. There's lots of people from all sorts of walks of life and, and different. I'm trying to think of like there's a psychiatrist I know that that goes. Well, people that don't have a background in digital marketing oh, and all Lord, the technical absolutely. stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've, um, had, we've had dentists. We've had, um, you know, private bankers. We've got a couple of private bankers yeah. this time coming, actually. Mm. Um, we've had solicitors. We've had, um, you know, life coaches. We've had a professional yeah. dog walker. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> you name it, man. If you're building business around you and your expertise, that's the event to come to, plain and simple. Absolutely. And the podcast, Upreneur FM. Yep. And obviously, Upreneur.com yep. to check out, obviously, the amazing membership that I'm part of as well. Um, so you don't need to learn it from me. Just go direct to Chris. Just cut me out the loop. You, you'll be fine. I'm just recycling what you... <laughs> hey, if you're teaching what I... If you're practicing, rather, what I'm teaching, then they should stick around for you as well, my friend. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we've, we've got our event tomorrow. Our sort of... I probably wouldn't have had... Uh, done an event as well had it not been to the summit but yeah we've got our financial services brand accelerator tomorrow fantastic um, how many so, people uh so we've got 60 that's great fantastic congratulations yeah so we sold out but i know what you mean about people wanting to know how many people are coming because it was like the last two weeks we sold about 70 percent of the tickets uh, there was a point because i've uh, roger edwards who spoke at the last summit mm -hmm. he's he's our keynote closing and okay. there's one point where i thought i might need to ring roger up and say i may not have as many people <laughs> as i said but no we sold out and i've got people now trying to still get tickets for tomorrow we, we can't we can't put them in it's always a good problem to have as an event yes. organizer it's not a bad thing maybe they'll act quicker next time they do it. <laughs> next time that's the way I you do you know that's the way you manage like, that perception is it's we sell out if you want to be there and you want to make sure that be there the, the moment you see the tickets go on sale yeah. you need to jump on it absolutely yeah. And then I'll probably, by the time this goes out, I'll have an advert for the next one. We're doing one in March as good. well. That's good to hear. We've got Congratulations. Some... I love it. I love it when I see people take action. That's my number one <laughs> biggest turn on. It's great. Absolutely. Dude, thank you so much. I can't believe, I was saying to you earlier, I can't believe I'm just remembering listening to you for the first time and now you're on my podcast. It doesn't make sense. Thank you so much. <laughs> it makes total sense because that's the way the universe works. I'm a big believer of that stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. It was a pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me. Thank you, mate. Bye-bye. So there we have it. That was episode 50 and Mr. Chris Ducker. Um, do check out his book, Rise of the Upreneur. Check out his podcast, Upreneur FM. Um, he's got so much to share about personal branding. It's incredible. In fact, now his podcast is kind of short 15-minute episodes, and they're all just advice from Chris about what you can do to leverage your personal brand, which if you're in financial services, if you're giving advice, you know, especially you mortgage brokers, where you're essentially, you know, you're offering the same thing, you've got the same uh, products and services, access to all the same lenders. It is you as an individual that will make you stand out so definitely check out chris and follow him um i will be back uh next week um hopefully with yeah definitely at least another 50 episodes so if you've enjoyed if you've been listening if you've gone through all 50 episodes and you haven't left me a review on itunes please do that would be amazing thank you and i will see you next time <laughs> <laughs>